Well, good morning again, Liberty Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Josh, and I'm extremely, extremely excited today that uh, we're going to wrap up the series, Red Letters, uh, The Words of Jesus. Uh, a while back, I was, I was going through this little season, and I went up to Pastor Ian, and actually, I was flipping through my Bible, and I, was, I started reading my highlighted notes, and it turned out there was all red letters. Amen. There's power in them red letters. Amen. And so, uh, just a little recap, uh, the words of Jesus are powerful, foundational, and insightful. His words allow us to see, his words allow us is to see, hear, and feel uh, the, the, oh my goodness, hear and feel the heart of God for our lives, amen. So today, I'm extremely excited because we're talking about the B attitudes. The B attitudes. And this is uh, extremely important in Jesus' uh, time here on earth, this, this specific sermon. For number one, this is where uh, Jesus starts teaching the new covenant compared to the old law. Jesus starts showing them that's the old law. Here's what's really fixing to happen. So if I can't make that very clear. Let me explain that to y'all. Jesus starts showing them upside down and backwards. Amen. He starts showing them that the world is, what you think is up is really down. What's in is out. Amen. And so I, I love this. And so uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'm going to go through the, y'all got to bear with me. There's a lot of reading today, so that's okay. We're going to get through it. Matthew 5, 1 through 12 says, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses whoever is persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. My favorite one. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were prosecuted in the same way. Amen. So let's look at that first point. Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him. <clears throat> for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Spiritual poverty is not key, is not the key to kingdom, is not, is the key to kingdom prosperity. It is our dependence upon God not our independence from him 
that enables us to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to read that one more time. Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Spiritual poverty is the key to kingdom prosperity. It is our dependence upon God, not our independence from him, that enables us to enter the kingdom of God. So, another really cool thing about these Beatitudes. Um, so, we do Celebrate Recovery, right? And what Celebrate Recovery is, is the 12 steps, but with Jesus. Amen? And why that works so well is because the 12 steps were pulled from the Beatitudes. Because when I know for me personally, I was so spiritually bankrupt when I came into this that I had no way to look but to heaven. I was poor. I was literally bankrupt. I was empty. I was knocking on death's door. And God reached out and grabbed me. I was hungry. I, I needed something, and that something was Him. Amen? I was hurt. I was lost, and I was broken. The more you acknowledge God, and the more we invite God into every detail of our lives, the more of God we experience. It is God that saves, heals, delivers, and fights for us. We are the branches, but He is the source of every good thing. Amen? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I don't know about you, but that was me. Every time I tried to take a step on myself, by myself, for myself, I fell flat on my face. It wasn't until I started putting my trust and started reaching out, calling out, and crying out to God in not just one aspect of my life, but in every aspect of my life that things started to change. Amen. Because I started taking myself out of it and I started putting God in place of it. Less of me and more of you. Amen. I was spiritually bankrupt and I had to put that into place in every aspect of my life. Amen. He is, we are the vines and He is the branch. He is the source of everything. He is the glue that holds us together. He is, he is our life source. He is our heartbeat. Spiritually poor. We had to be, I had to be bankrupt myself. I had to be empty before I started calling on him. And when I started calling on him, I started calling on him in every aspect of my life. Amen. Amen. That next point says, <clears throat> Jesus said, I love that. Jesus said, Jesus said, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning is not moaning and complaining, it is the grieving. Our griefs invite, invite the comfort of his peace. Jesus said, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning is not moaning and complaining, it is grieving. Our grief invites the comfort of his peace. Have you ever been hurt so bad? So let me, when I first started thinking about mourning, it was like mourning a lost one, mourning of, of, of someone I've lost or something like that. But as I started reading and studying his word for real, he's talking about our sins. So when he reaches down and he grabs you and you got the Holy Spirit in you and you do something wrong and you know it's wrong, does that not hurt your heart? That's mourning. When you know that you've done something that hurt, that 
that's wrong and you know that you've done wrong, that's true mourning. And see, when we do that, when, we, when he sees us hurting because he knows that we know that we did wrong, because he knows that you know that you know that he knows that you know, that's when he knows, hey, I know you messed up. It's okay. You know, he, he cares that you care. Amen. And not only that, it's not him talking about your own sins, but when he reached down into, into, into your life and you start seeing other people, for me, it's seeing other people in addiction. And I see them hurting and I see them living in the darkness and I see them in the sin. It, I just don't shove them to the side. It hurts my heart. That's mourning. And when he sees that, he blesses that. Amen. When we grieve over our sin, it's the, re the reception of sin in others and other people's lives. When we grieve over the brokenness of our, of, of our families, community, or the world, it pleases God. He responds to our grief with the comfort of His presence. When we grieve over the things that grieve the heart of God, it ministers to us so that we can minister to those who are grieving over. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is, our, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Amen. 4 says, He comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, I didn't go through my addiction for no reason. I didn't go through my addiction just to come out and to go on. I came out, God pulled me out of my addiction so I could help that brother over there that's still hurting, amen? He don't, our pain don't have to go to waste. It's going to be used for, some, for his glory is exactly what that is, amen? Let's look at that next point. Jesus said, God blesses those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. Humility unlocks our inheritance on earth. It enables us to receive what God has for us. So, I like this one. Because guess what? What is the opposite of humility? Pride. Absolutely. Pride. Pride keeps us from receiving the promises of God. 90% of what God does for the people, He does through people. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I've never received a check from heaven. Pride, what pride does, it, it blocks off what he's trying to give us. I don't need your help. I know what I'm doing. I, I, can, I can pay my, I don't need your help. I, I know what I'm doing. Pride is walking into the room and thinking you're the best in that room. Amen. Humility. Humility. Humility is walking into that room with love and compassion. When I think of humility, I think of the word open. Because humility opens your heart, it opens your mind, and it opens, it opens your love for people. And it opens your eyes to see what's going on around you. Because what pride does is it blocks that. And God wants to bless that. James 4, 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. Ooh, but he gives grace to the humble. 
I'm going to read that one again. It's so good. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There ain't nothing I did. There's nothing I did or nothing that I can do. It's not about me. It's nothing in me except for the Holy Spirit. Give glory to God today. I built that bridge. No, son, God gave you the ability, to, the help to get up every day to go to work to build that bridge. Amen. Nothing I did. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said, God bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Satisfaction comes from pursuing the things that are right in the eyes of God. Jesus said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied, satisfaction, oh my goodness, satisfaction comes from the pursuing the things that are right in the eyes of God. The key to satisfaction, the key to satisfied life is righteous pursuit. When we're pursuing the things of God, we find satisfaction. Only Jesus fulfills our greatest heart's desire. To those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, we gotta. Have you ever been so hungry that you're starving to death? I was so spiritually bankrupt that I was literally starving to death. So what are you going to eat? My th- this y'all may think I'm absolutely crazy, but I'm thinking Twinkies and ho hos, right? Like I just want. We've got to eat every day. My point is, we got to eat every day. We got to drink water or something every day, or we're going to die, right? So what are you going to eat? Twinkies and ho hos? Are you going to start eating something healthy? Let's eat something healthy today. Let's eat the Word of God. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves abundance will not be satisfied with increase. This also vanity. So if I just get that job, I'm going to be happy. If I just get that car, Matt Timberlake, that Mercedes, not the car to get to Amy, but that Mercedes, if I get that Mercedes, I'm going to be satisfied. If I get that house, I'm going to be satisfied. How many of y'all have ever chased that dream? How many of y'all have ever, I mean, are we, I'll raise my hand, I know I'm guilty of it. If I could just get that job, if I could just get that car, if I could just hang out with that group of friends, if they would just like me, so I would do whatever it took to hang out with that group of friends, or I would do whatever it took to get that car, to get that job. Well, let me tell you something. I did get that car, and I did get that job, and I did get them friends, and I still fell empty every time because I was chasing something that wasn't even really there. I was chasing the... the <clears throat> I was trying to fill a, a holy hole with, with worldly things. And I fell short every time. I didn't fall short. I fell empty. 
I felt empty. There was nothing good. I was still not satisfied. I was still laying in bed at night going, what the heck? Why am I not happy? And it was because I was trying to fill it with worldly things, with money, with cars, with women, with houses, whatever the case was, with clothes. Boy, I wish I could get me a new pair of Under Armour shoes. I'd be happy. And that was literally all I would think about. And I would still feel empty after I got them. We got to fill our lives with Jesus. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is not an an excuse for sinfulness. It is the opportunity for repentance. The more opportunities we give, the more we receive. Jesus said, God bless those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is not an excuse for sinfulness. It is the opportunity for repentance. The more opportunities we give, the more we receive. Jesus is freeing us from judgment. Jesus is freeing us from judgment-filled lives and lifestyle. Mercy trumps judgment and allows us to turn back to God. Without mercy, there is nothing but judgment. We are guilty and worthy of death, but mercy comes and creates a place for repentance, and God extends us mercy, not to allow us to continue to sin, but to continue an opportunity for repentance. We are blessed with mercy. We are blessed when mercy trumps over judgment. Mercy keeps us from getting what we deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Thank God for mercy. Because I fall short of the glory of God every day. His mercy is made new every morning. Lamentations 3, uh, 21 through 24. (coughs) Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is His faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. I pray to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. I live by 23. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh every morning. You're having that bad day. Guess what? That day's going to come to an end. It's only a season. It's only a season. Just like fall comes to an end and goes into winter. And his grace or his mercy begins afresh every morning. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said... God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Purity creates clarity that allows us to see God and His mighty work around us. A pure heart is undefiled is a undefiled heart. Literally, literally an unmixed heart, God's word creates a pure heart, which opens our eyes to see. A defiled heart blinds our eyes. 
We can't see because our heart becomes the lens through which we view the world. Psalms 19.8 says, The status of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlighten the eyes. That makes me think of... uh, Have you ever went to work with a good attitude that day? And yet they send you on the hardest job. But because you got such a good attitude, that job don't seem that hard that day. Then have you ever went to work with a bad attitude and they sent you on the easiest job and you just hated it? (laughs) Because you had a bad attitude? When you got a pure heart, you're going to do what God calls you to do. He's going to open your eyes to see what He wants you to do. When, when you go to work and when you're living for the Lord, you want to do the absolute best you can. Not just at work, but at home and in everything. And He opens your eyes to that. Now sometimes we fall short. But He will show you. And it's up to you to correct it. Because that's what a pure heart is. Amen? Let's look at that next point. <clears throat> Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Peace isn't the abundance of conflict. It is the declaration of war that we fight for the people in conflict. Peacemakers reflect the character and nature of God. Peacemakers step into conflict and fight for the people. Peacemakers don't, don't take sides, they take over. They disarm, diffuse, and decree unity and harmony for the glory of God. When Jesus stepped into our conflict, confusion, and chaos, he took over. He paid the price, paved the way, and opened the door for peace for whoever sought will. Being a peacemaker ain't walking on clouds. Because Just because you become a Christian, it ain't always rainbows and butterflies. Amen. But being a peacemaker is fighting for the people, not against the people. It don't matter the situation. It matters who's on your side, and that's God. I'm not going to take sides when I come into the room. I'm going to take God's side and let Him take over. We're not trying to fix the, the, the problem. We're trying to come up with a solution, the heavenly solution, that is. Because nine times out of ten... It's not the the person or the fight that's really the problem. There's an underlying issue. And it's all about coming up with a resolution. As I was going over this, I was actually talking about it with Pastor Keith, and this is a a silly example. But uh, a while back, me and my buddy got got into it at work over a tool. A little simple tool, right? And that tool just set us both off. We got so mad at each other, literally. And once we calmed down and went our separate ways, that tool was not the problem. It was like a $10 tool. It was no big deal. But the problem was what had been building before that, right? The peacemaker is going to see that and understand that because he's listening to the Holy Spirit and going to disarm that situation. Amen? Ephesians 2, 14 and 16. 
For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility and that separated us. Together as one body, <clears throat> Christ recon reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Amen. He brought us together. The Jews and the Gentiles. He paid that price. He didn't pick sides. He picked a way. Amen. Amen. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said, God bless those who are persecuted for doing what is right. For a great reward awaits in heaven. Persecution, mockery, lies, and gossip uh, produces an internal reward. Those who attack you because you do what is right are blessing you with eternal reward that you will never that will never end. Jesus said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right, for a great reward awaits in heaven. Persecution, mockery, lies, and gossip produce an eternal reward. Those who attack you because you do what is right are blessing you with eternal rewards that will never end. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus took that attack. Jesus took that beating. Jesus took that persecution. Guess where he's at? And guess why he did that? He did that for you and for me and for you and for you and for you. What's funny was my whole life I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to be your friend and your friend and your friend and your friend and your friend. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what you liked. It didn't matter what you did. I, you like Alabama. I'm going to be an Alabama fan. Oh, you like Auburn? I'm going to be an Auburn fan. You like LSU? I'm going to be an LSU fan. I'm using football as an, an allergy because it's easy, right? So I would put on that LSU jersey. I would put on that Auburn jersey. I would put on that Alabama jersey. Well, guess what? When you do that, you're lying. You're not only lying to, to deceive the people around you, but you're lying to yourself, and you can get so far lost that you're gone, that you don't even know who you are. I don't even know if I am an Alabama fan. When really that's what I truly started out to be, right? And so I tried all these things to fit in. And I, got, I came up empty every time and hurt every time. And grew this big, huge web of lies. Because I didn't want people to make fun of me. And I just wanted to fit in, right? Let me tell you when things started to change for me is when I accepted Jesus Christ and I started being bold about what I believe in. When I literally said that prayer when I was 12 years old behind the football stadium with all my friends, we were playing a Christian school and these kids came over and talked to us and I sincerely prayed that prayer. I literally had one of my friends in my ear going, don't do that. You can't kiss girls now. You won't be able to drink a beer. Literally in my ear. But I said it anyway. Well, I fell to temptation after that, right? Trying to be their friend and their friend and their friend. 
was when things started changing was when I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and I started being bold about who, not who they said I was, but who he said I was. So it's okay if I sit by myself because I pray over my food before I eat. It's okay if you don't want to talk to me because you don't want me to hear you cuss. And it's okay if you make fun of me because I don't cuss. Because I know where my, what I'm working for, and that's, my, that's Jesus. Amen. Amen? Jesus said, be happy. Be very glad. Because the pain, the pain of persecution will be over in a moment. But the reward of persecution will last forever. We are blessed because everything the devil uses against us works for us an eternal reward. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Hey, it may hurt right now. It may not be fun right now. It may not be rainbows and butterflies, or it may be. Praise God if it is, right? Because we do have them seasons. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not fun. But let me tell you something. Just like I said earlier, it will come to an end. And when you start looking at things like that, it tends to make things a little bit better. When I know that this hour is going to come to an end, when I know that this day is going to come to an end and a new one's going to start, God willing, it tends to make things a little bit better. It tends to make things a lot easier, actually, because I know that something new is going to happen. Something better is going to happen. And because I know that the pain that I'm going through now, He's going to use it for His glory later. Because like I said earlier, I went through hell when I was in addiction. But I didn't go through hell for no reason. I went through hell to help somebody else come out of hell. Amen. Red letters, the B attitudes. It literally means the Greek word. I can't even pronounce the Greek word, but it translates to happy life. Translates to happy. God wants to bless you. It's upside down and backwards. Because God said, you know, the world says be mad at the people that persecute you or cuss you or be mean to you. Be mad at them. Get them back. Jesus says, no, man, you need to love them. Jesus says, no, man, that people that got over on you, you need to forgive them. Even though they don't forgive you. It's upside down and backwards. Red letters. He's teaching us right here. He he fulfilled the law and made a new covenant. That's what the red letters are. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. Is teaching us how to live a happy life. It ain't always going to be rainbows and butterflies and fun. 
but the eternal reward is unimaginable. It's glorious. Amen.